When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed lore cast. My name is Shelby or SheCup. I'm super excited to be here today. I'm one of your co-hosts and I'm joined here with my co-host for this show. Yes, and so I am Austin, otherwise known as Teacup, and I am excited to be here as we continue to dive into the Isu. The what? The Isu. Just kidding. I totally know who they are, especially now that I've finished Brotherhood. I almost called them the Forgotten Ones when I was about to list them out and just wanted you to know that. Wrong fandom. Yes, wrong fandom. Last week we did Isu history and general overview this can be isu 102 which is isu society a little bit and a little more of their history and really just kind of diving in to like the leadership around the isu and decisions that they made and how that impacts humanity both during the isu era and after the isu era so are you ready to get into it I am. Let's do it. All right. So the first thing we want to know is we often hear about something called the triad or more specifically the Capitoline triad. And some people have theorized that this is the governing body of the Isu. That is not true. The Isu have the Isu High Council. This is the governing body of the Isu society. And they're primarily responsible for bestowing the titles Father of Understanding, Mother of Wisdom, and Sacred Voice to individuals. Now, those three entities make up what is referred to as a triad. The Capitoline triad is its own version of the triad, but there are other times that that has existed. So Um, are you saying that there are two different triads? That we know about, yes. Gotcha. But we don't know how many there have been. We just know that these, the father of understanding, mother of wisdom, and sacred voice have always kind of been that triad. Right. Right. And that might strike a chord, especially the father of understanding. But this is also a point of the order of ancients also uses these terms, father of understanding, mother of wisdom, and sacred voice. And we know the order of ancients has an unhealthy obsession with the Isu. 
Right, right. That is putting it mildly. I was going to say, but we know that they took this from the Isu example. Like they didn't just come up with it and it's a coincidence. Right. So little is known about the council, but we do know points, two points in history where the council has acted. So the council, the high council orders the current triad to begin creating humanity. So it is the high council that tasks the triad with creating humanity. At this point, the triad consisted of three individuals named Samael, Saklas, and Yaldaboas. That's how I'm pronouncing them because they look like Hebrew names, and that's roughly how they would be in Hebrew. So these three individuals are Isu. Yes. But we don't We've never met them in game. Correct. They have been. So where these come from is from an email and personal files of Layla on her computer. So that's where this information comes from. The other moment that we see this Isu High Council acting is they are kind of, Loki basically says he kills Odin's son, Baldur, and he says, oh, I'm going to go to the high council and basically tell them what Odin's trying to do to get them in trouble. Well, Loki is told later that the high council strips Juno of her mother of wisdom title for helping Odin obtain the seventh method of salvation. And what this is, is a special mead or liquid that basically leads to the creation of Isu sages. It lets the Aesir be reincarnated throughout history as Isu sages. So we haven't exactly talked about what an Isu sage is. Is that going to be its own separate episode or will we talk about this here? We will talk about it, but um, just briefly, an Isu sage is a human who through this process of the seventh mode of salvation has a special relationship with a specific Isu. For example, these are big spoiler warnings, but you know, Aida, there are certain sages that have Aida's personality. Eivor is an Isu sage of Odin. You know, Sigurd, her brother, is an Isu sage of Tyr, I believe it is. And then, you know, there are other things along the line, Basim and Loki. Like, Yeah, it's just kind of confusing uh, to me at this point. Because, you know, I haven't gotten to Valhalla yet. And I I don't really, like, I'm just learning about the Isu. So getting into this, like, second level of the Sages is like, okay, this is another Mm. level for me. (laughs) Yeah, so we will talk about Sages um, much later down so I can give you time to get through the games. Yeah, that's fair. Thank you. Uh, I'm making my way. um, You're close because we learn, we don't get the term, but we learn about the process in Assassin's Creed 3. So you're getting close. So ignoring Isu sages, that's the high council. That's really all we know about. We know a lot more about the triads. And so we're going to talk about these triads. Among the Isu, it existed a group of three Isu that often acted as an authority figure about a certain thing. Like, so the the triad would be tasked with a certain task and they had the authority with that task, but they were not a governing force. They did not make decisions or legal things that regarded Isu as a whole. They're a task force of the high council. So can I like present an example Mm -hmm. potentially? So like a few episodes ago, I mean, I think it may have been last episode. I don't remember exactly when it was, but we talked about how either during the solar flare or the Isu human war, one of the two, 
they researched if, I think it was the solar flare, they researched if a piece of Eden, specifically an apple of Eden, could be used to create like a barrier for the whole planet. So like that would be, researching that would be a task that they would be assigned. Correct. And that is an exact example of what I'm talking about because it was the Capitoline triad that was responsible for that. So the first ever triad, their task was the creation of a humanity as a workforce. And this is aptly named Project Anthropos, which should ring Shelby's Greek bells because it is just the Greek word for human. That's right. That's right. It's also very basic. Like they couldn't come up with a better name. Right. Come on. So there are three individuals that make up the triad, which is the father of understanding, the mother of wisdom, and the sacred voice. Now, let's talk about this. Hello, like this metaphor is almost copy and pasted Trinitarian formula. And what would the Trinitarian formula be? That is basically the Christian definition of Trinity, which is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. As Christians describe this unique way in which God exists. Now, I will say this. This is probably what we would call a tritheism, whereas the Trinity is still monotheistic. Don't ask me to explain how, because no one knows. But this is this very much operates in a tritheism. Whereas mm-hmm. each individual is its own separate entity. Whereas like in true Trinitarian, like they're all separate and one. And we'll talk about this because when we get to the second half of the episode, like how this bleeds into humanity is really interesting. And the decisions that are made, I think are really interesting. So we're going to start with the sacred voice because I think they're the most interesting. Two individuals have held this title that we know of. So the first one is Samael, who was basically, he is the first person to hold the sacred voice, uh, was responsible for recruiting scientists for Project Anthropos um, and to make it happen. Like what they were doing, they were, he was responsible for finding the people who are going to make it happen. And then Minerva also held this title. And she is the one who spoke to humanity to guide Desmond to the great temple and other things like that. And so so Minerva holds the title of the sacred voice when we meet her in Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, Revelations, and on. Yes, she does. But it's also a thing of, does she she still has the title, but there are no Isu around for her to like exert the title, if that makes sense. Right, like, right. And so, but it seems to me, based on my research and all this, that the sacred voice has the most direct interaction with humanity, which I find is interesting because when we kind of look at it in real world parallels, which I think we can because Assassin's Creed does take place in our world with our history, that is how the Holy Spirit functions in a lot of ways. The Holy Spirit is the one that is the voice to people in the Trinity. And so I think that's interesting that kind of parallel. But yeah, that's the sacred voice. The mother of wisdom. This is held by two individuals as well, Juno and Saklas. So Saklas is the only woman, Isu, of the original triad. And she is in charge of basically designing 
project Anthropos. So like where Samael would look at how like finding people to actually do it, Sockless was designing like how it's going to actually work. That was her role in this. And then Juno seems to have taken a similar role in the Isu projects. I know you're a little triggered by Juno right now. Um, I am triggered by Juno. I also, I am not a fan of Juno, which is just where I'm at in the games. So, yeah, but it's, it's interesting to me that the mother of wisdom is the one that like has the rabid hatred of humans more than the others. Right. Uh, we don't know if Sockless had that kind of hatred, but Juno definitely has one. Uh, uh, yeah, I was referring to Juno. I didn't even think about the other guy, but yeah. the girl, whatever. The last one is the father of understanding. You know, we've been hearing this term since Assassin's Creed, if not one, two. Yeah, I was going to say I'm more triggered by uh, the Borgias and the father of understanding and Cesare than I am with uh, Juno. <laughs> right. And so... You know, this has been veiled in mystery for so long that we don't like, who is this father of understanding? Is the father of understanding some like de facto leader of the Templar? Is who they believe they're God? Like all these questions have been around in the Assassin's Creed fandom since the beginning of it, really. And so it this role is very mysterious still. We don't really understand what its function is in the triad at least. So it was held by Jupiter and Yada Baloth. And Yada Baloth was a, he was responsible for the production of the project, of the Anth project Anthropos, which like, I'm thinking like the production of like how a producer is to a show, managing how it happens and like managing its, how it is shared and produced to the wider world outside of what's happening there. And so while little is known about this role, it does seem to be the father of understanding is the leader of the triad. Like there is a hierarchy that exists there. And so that's really all we know about the triad as an entity. I just have a few thoughts about the hierarchy. So it's interesting to me that there's a hierarchy at all, but my first question, my first thought is more of a question. This is more of a question for you, but also like just the Assassin's Creed fandom in general. Like, do we really think that this is a hierarchy or are we letting our perception of our experience with the Templars referring to like the top dogs as the father of understanding color that perception? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, are we letting our image of what the Templars refer to their higher ups as of like almost posting that onto in reverse? I would say there's a little bit of that going on, just that we see the father of understanding referred to so often. Um, and we'll talk about why only the father of understanding is referred to later in the episode. Mm -hmm. But I also think it comes from the fact that like, we're also imparting our own like experience of culture and history based on like the names like Jupiter is king of the Roman gods Jupiter Zeus is the leader of the Roman gods is an established hierarchy so him taking on that role we assume that he's some big shot and mm -hmm. leader of that right so I think that that's part of it so then my next question if there is a real hierarchy within the triad it would go father and then mother and then sacred voice, right? You would assume. 
I think that's really interesting. Um, and I'll bring this into like a theological perspective. So like Christians have God and then they have Jesus and then the Holy Spirit. And they tend to talk a lot about God and Jesus, but leave off the Holy Spirit discussion. And so it's interesting to me that the sacred voice who is modeled after the Holy Spirit would also be the one that is talked about or is the lowest title. Right. Um, And it's interesting to say, because like, depending on, from your analogy, depending on who you talk to and what denomination you're talking to, there may or may not be a hierarchy within the Trinity as well. But that's not a common, like that's, that's a heretical view in Christianity. That's not the Orthodox view. Well, if you view it in a sense of like Jesus not being fully God, yes, it is heretical. But even the Catholic Church will assert that like there is an authority like that Jesus and the Holy Spirit submit to the Father's authority. And it's like even the Holy Spirit submits to Jesus's authority in there. They will talk about that in there. Now, there are some, there are many Protestant denominations who reject this ideology yeah. and talk about, no, if they're going to be one and the same, there can't be a hierarchy because once you create a hierarchy, you create a polytheistic thing going on there. Right. But anyways. But yeah, um, any other thoughts? Um, no, let's go on to your little fun fact. All right. Well, in the opposite direction of theology with what we just talked about, about Christ not being fully defined in hierarchy. The names of the first triad actually come from a Gnostic Neoplatonic view. For a quick history lesson, there was a group of early Christians who were very, very influenced by the work of Plato and kind of like in the first century in the Greek world, there was kind of like this revitalism of the view of Plato that basically creates this Neoplatonic view they have a divine entity that they refer to as the Demiurge. I do remember my philosophy teacher in undergrad talking about the Demiurge. I don't know if you remember that, Shelby. I, how could I forget? Right. I don't remember anything that was said, but I remember the word Demiurge. And so all the names of the original first triad are names that these groups of Gnostics and Neoplatonists give to the Demiurge. I just think that's interesting, like, the writers taking and incorporating that into the world. And I know we're kind of tired of the adaptation of religious symbols and stories. I mean, this is a dead, this is a dead religion though. So I I don't think it really affects anyone. I'm just tired because I've studied this in school and I'm out of school now and I don't want to go, you know, all of that. I think the thing that is interesting to me, or maybe not interesting, but like, it does make me respect Ubisoft for like, doing their research like okay you have this mystical kind of philosophical race this different species of people that used to live on this earth like okay yeah I respect you for like going into the philosophical and of our history and tying that together um and it really kind of paints this like deep conspiracy that's kind of going on Mm -hmm. with that's going on there like oh well all of these things that we know from actual history are actually a part of this deep conspiracy but for a definition, the Demiurge is a divine entity that entity that is responsible for the creation of humanity and the giving of the soul. But it also limited the knowledge of humanity by keeping them from the fruits of paradise. And so you kind of see like Gnostics kind of taking, they're taking Platonism and merging it with kind of this Judeo-Christian narrative. 
And that's really kind of what's going on. But I just thought that was an interesting kind of tidbit, real world connection to the names chosen for the first triad. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Um, is this a good time for our break? It is. My cousin! Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! 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 Even now, faced as I am with the truth of your cold words, I refuse. Because I believe things can still change. I may never succeed. The assassins may struggle another thousand years in vain. But we will not stop. So, I got a lot of things to tell you in this mid-break. First, uh, this is the time where we thank all of our patrons. We have a few patrons, and we're super thankful to all of them. We also have a mentor tier assassin, Keith R. He is our $50 a month patron, and so we shout him out every week on this podcast. So thank you so much, Keith R. We appreciate the support. If you want to become a patron, you can become a patron. There are tiers all the way from $5 all the way up to 100 or more. And if um, you can support us financially, we, we would absolutely appreciate that so much. We are getting ready to do our very first patron episode coming up in October later this month. And that's when all of the patrons at the Master Assassin tier or higher get to come on the show and we talk about a topic that all the patrons vote on. So if you really want to get in on that, you should sign up on the Patreon ASAP and you'll get to join us really soon. If you can't support us financially, we totally understand. The best way to support us if you can't support us financially is to like and share and review our podcast. So if you do leave us a review on Apple, with words that's five stars we will read it out on the show now we don't have a review to read this week so that means you should definitely submit a review and we'll read it next time and you can also leave us a rating on spotify so if you do that you can also send us your review via email and we'll read it out on the show too and then um, another thing that i want to tell you about is discord so we have two discord servers that we're a part of we have our discord server the cups podcasting server which is the home of all of our podcasts which we have several now so come join that um server we talk all about assassin's creed we maybe simp over Ezio. we do all kinds of fun stuff over there and you can learn about our other shows as well and if you are a person that is really obsessed with video games and you don't have enough podcasts to listen to you should hop over to the robots radio server where you you can find pretty much a podcast for any video game that ever existed. So definitely hop over there. And then lastly, the last thing I want to talk about is we just launched a new podcast and this is called the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page. And this is where we basically do a book club for the Inheritance Cycle series. Um, You may also know this as the Aragon series. And our book club is we are reading through or rereading through for Austin each of these books and so we talk about one chapter per episode and break it down I give predictions and all kinds of fun stuff so you should definitely check out that podcast and that is the inheritance cycle page by page so I think that's everything that I have to tell them about Austin you got anything else um no all right then let's get back to it and I know I was really nice to you, but actually I'm just another Templar plot twist. And yes, I would like very much for you to be controlled by a magic space wizard so that you can murder me. I am not a father anymore. I am not a husband. I am not a Magi. I am a hidden one. Yes, 
We are the hidden ones. All right. Well, that was all about the triad. So now, since we talked so much about the triad, I want to talk about their two projects that they really settled down, which the first one is Project Anthropos, which is our creation as humanity. And so I think this is really important. So this project was commissioned by the Aesir Isu. So like that's the Asgardian gods that commissioned this project. But I think this is interesting, interesting fact. The Isu were not of one mind on what this project should be for. Some Isu wanted to create humanity solely to worship them, to inflate their own ego. Others, while others wanted a subservient workforce. And so we're getting this thing that like already the Isu are not of one mind about humanity. Right. And so they recruit different scientists, but the first success is done by an Isu scientist named Fames, who succeeded in speeding along the evolution of an existing species of primates. Uh, however, the subservience did not seem possible and the project was threatening to end. So basically Fames was able to create humans with thinking and resilience and all of this stuff, but he wasn't able to make, make them subservient perfectly. They rebelled, they had their own minds creating. And another thing about Project Anthropos is that they wanted it created in their own image. And so I guess they wanted them as resilient and intelligent as the Isu were. I guess I just don't understand why they wanted that because it feels like a recipe for disaster. If they're, they're creating a group of people that's as smart and as resilient as they are, but also they want them to be subservient. Like, why would you not want them to be a little bit less, a little bit more dumb than you are a little bit less resilient than you are. And then that way you can control them better. I know I sound like an evil villain right now, but it just kind of makes sense in my brain. And I think this comes back to the point that like, Last episode, when I talked about Minerva saying, no, we were not gods, the Isu are extremely fallible. I think their own vanity and arrogance gets in the way here. I guess that's a fair point. They don't think anything can threaten them. At the same time as Project Anthropos, another project was being used to create the Apples of Eden. And this led to the idea that we should imp- that they should implant neurotransmitters into the human brain that would be activated by the apple and this is initially a success and allows them to create a human workforce and everything is venerated to the top and they did all of that and so i think what's interesting here is that we have the apple and Project Anthropos happening at the same time. I think it's interesting because we would assume that the Apple happens in response to Project Anthropos, but it's just like two groups were working on something differently and they just happened to work together. Yeah, that is interesting. I was going to add that the whole Apple with the neurotransmitter situation has major, major, major Order 66 vibes. Yes. Yes, very similar. Very and I similar. don't like that. <laughs> and this kind of feeds to my theory that I had about during the Swords episode. Fanes isn't okay with what's happening with humanity. Uh, he ends up actually getting exiled from Eden because he falls in love with a human and removes her neurotransmitter. This act 
saw that Fanes would have his name struck from all Isu history. So how we know this information is kind of a mystery. Where do we get and, it in the, in the canon? Where do we find the information? I believe it's in Layla's research in one of the games. But this leads to the birth of Eve, the first Isu hybrid, which the Isu view as a success of creating basically the super powerful entity that they can't, that they think they can control. So Fanes and his proto-human, whatever, mm-hmm. they have Eve as a child. And we know Correct. that Adam and and we know that Adam and Eve lead the rebellion against the Isu, right? Correct. So then Correct. where the where where does Adam come from? I was not told. You were not told, we do not know, or you did not do the research. I did not dive further into that rabbit hole. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so but like really Eve is the, in this version of the story, Eve is the important one. She is the mastermind stealing the apple, leading the rebellion. Adam's just kind of doing it with her, which is an interesting kind of flip of the thing because. I mean, some people would argue that Eve does do the thing like in the Bible that's as true. well, but um, we won't get into that rabbit hole either. So that's really interesting to me because Isu hybrids are going to cause trouble for the Isu, the Order of Ancients, and the Templars forever. And I think it's also interesting because Eve starts this Isu rebellion. And so like this whole war that's going on between the Assassins and the Templars is really just a continuation of a war that never stopped because it was interrupted with the solar flare. It kind of reminds me of... There's an episode of Star Wars Rebels where they actually find some old Separatist droids. And Ezra says, no one won the war because the Empire came about. That's very true. Um, also, that episode has my very favorite Ezra Bridger quote ever in it. Where he who's finds Roger? the... Yeah, who's Roger? <laughs> like, because, you know, the droids always say, Roger, Roger. And obviously he wasn't around for that. So he's like, who's Roger? <laughs> Makes me laugh yeah. every time. It's a it's a very thing, but like it kind of goes there. Like there was no winner to the Isu human war, war because there was a solar flare. But in a lot of ways, because the Order of Ancients has this obsession and they, they have this deep desire to hunt down Isu hybrids and kill them and they call them the tainted ones. It's just a continuation. Like this has been gone on before even human recorded history. So the Isu refer to the hybrids as the tainted ones. No, the order of ancients refers to the hybrids as tainted ones. I just have to say that it's really funny that the word taint is in two of our favorite video game series. And it makes me laugh. Also, the Tainted Ones could be referring to the Grey Wardens. Just saying. Wrong fandom. But I'm right. You're going to sit there and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? No. I just The Tainted Ones is in a recent edition that came out in Odyssey. So it, it's not has been established as the Taint in Dragon Age has been. Yeah, but it's still funny. Next, we have the Capitoline Triad. So these are the ones who attempt to stop the Great Catastrophe during the Isu Human War. They're trying to stop the Civil War. You can learn about all their attempts in Assassin's Creed 3 by going and trying to 
do some uh, modern day storyline exploring, uh, you do learn about Juno's betrayal in Assassin's Creed 3 and that this event leads to her being cast out and imprisoned as a result. Um, but they try very various things from the giant shield to using an apple of Eden to basically wish the solar flare away to creating sages to doing a lot of stuff. All right. So the last thing I really want to talk about is the legacy of this. And so we know from our Order of Ancients, our Templar episode, that they would venerate the triad as deities that they wanted to worship. The order would maintain this tritheism until its rejection by Alfred the Great and the birth of the Templar Order. Uh, I find it interesting to talk about that Alfred straight up rejects the triad instead of trying to fold it into Trinitarian doctrine. But as we've been talking about, I, it makes sense to me because if he were to do that, he would be committing heresies under the Christianity that he follows. Yes, and I think that it's really easy to make a comparison between the father of understanding and the sacred voice, but I think it's much more difficult to make a comparison between Jesus, the son, and the mother of wisdom. Not saying that Jesus wasn't wise because he was, but I think it's much more difficult to make that comparison. And like the son, arguably, is the most important person of the Trinity for Christians because like he's what it all hinges on for them. You know what I mean? Yes. So I do I think know that's what you interesting. Mean, but I do think it's like Alfred basically, like if someone asked me which rulers do I think were actually Christian and actually believed what they were using as political power to believe, the two rulers I would pick would be Alfred the Great and Queen Elizabeth II. I think I agree with that. But yeah, so I think that it makes sense for Alfred to reject this in creating the Templar order because Alfred is Christian. Like he believes that is the reality that he exists and he kind of hates the order of ancients and he wants, so he remakes them into the Templar order. Um, and so modern day Templars do still venerate the father of understanding. And an interesting little tidbit from Assassin's Creed Origins, Septimius refers to Caesar, Julius Caesar, as the father of understanding in his fight with Aya. He says to her, he is the father of understanding, which I find interesting that we're not ever told that Julius Caesar has kind of Isu DNA kind of going on, but he might. I just think it's interesting that it's the only time we've ever seen an individual human given the title of mm -hmm. one of the triad. So here's the thing that I'm kind of reflecting on. You said that the Order of Ancients and the Templars, they worship, or they did at least, worship this triad. The Order of Ancients did. I would say right. the Templars, I would say, I know venerate can kind of be the same thing as worship, but they are different words. Um, mm -hmm. It's more like they venerate the Father of Understanding, like the father of understanding is some mystical thing that guides the Templars. Right. So, so what I'm reflecting on then is it's very interesting to me. And this, to me, what I'm about to say really underlies, I think, the character of the Templars. 
And it's that they've taken this triad, this group of three people that they used to worship and venerate and look up to as like the most important people, right? And they stop worshiping them. And then they try to become them by using it at not only as a title, which they do, but also they're literally trying to amass all of the pieces of Eden and like basically become Isu. And so they go from not just worshiping these people to being so arrogant enough that they want to become them. Right. Right. Um, And I think it's really interesting. Like when we talk about understanding and like the father of understanding the crux of the Templar belief system in their order is an understanding that the world is broken and it's always going to be that way. And we are the only ones who can fix it. Whereas, and I would call it, that's more of like a knowledge-based understanding. You just have to accept that. Whereas then the assassins, I would say, if they were going to venerate a ideal of this triad, I feel like they would do the mother of wisdom because their creed hinges on a wisdom of understanding that the world is what it is because it was made to be that way. And so nothing is true. And because nothing is true, the laws that are written here are flawed and they do not prevent us from achieving our goal. So thus everything is permitted. Mm -hmm. Just kind of how that feeds into the modern day understanding and the just Sometimes when you play the games, the Isu story can feel so disconnected from the Assassin Templar conflict Mm -hmm. because it's like this background thing, but their history is a part of the Assassins and Templars history because the two groups are really just a continuation of the groups that were fighting in the Isu human war. And not only that, but like their issues undergird everything. Mm-hmm. And like there wouldn't without the Isu, there wouldn't be a conflict between the assassins and the Templars, not at mm-hmm. least one that spanned thousands of years. It would be a minor conflict. It would be surface level ideological differences, not all out war between the two groups. Right. And like there wouldn't be this idea because the Templars would not have the means to enslave humanity in the way that they want to that too that's really it you got any last thoughts wow just wow um i think like i when you first told me this was our topic for tonight i was kind of surprised i thought we would be digging into an individual isu first but i'm really glad we talked about this because i think that it really shows us like the character of the isu the character of the or of the the templars um and just like shows you their motivations which for both of them is power over yes, everything else. very much. Um, and I think there's an understanding, at least from Minerva's perspective, of kind of like when you talk to Master Yoda in Empire, where she, he's like, you know, we were like arrogant and foolhardy. Like he has that regret. Like Minerva kind of has that similar mm-hmm. view of like, we made mistakes and our attitude and our arrogance led to this. Whereas like Juno is very much a, let's get back to what we were. Let's enslave humanity more so they don't rise up against us because they ruined everything. Right. And it's also like, again, that's a, that's part of that arrogance piece of like thinking that 
it's been thousands of years and you still haven't made it to the point where you can even think that, okay, maybe I did something wrong. Like you're still so far in your own head that you're like, I did nothing wrong. They're the problem, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that's all I got. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins. Vault Dwellers, join me, Jax's sassy lady Romer, Eric, and the creator Maverick as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.